0: First John chapter three, let's set up the story. John the apostle, John the one that saw all the miracles that Jesus did. Now listen, listen, it was John who said there's not enough books in the world to hold all the miracles. That's how he closed his gospel. I couldn't even, I, I can't even tell you. I've, I, I've given you some of them, but I can't give you all of them. It, it's just too amazing. This is John at the end of his journey, not the beginning of his journey, reflecting back now he's watching these churches begin to find very gray areas do we believe this do we not believe this and culture back then very much began to infiltrate the church and and these new believers were going I I don't really know how we distinguish ourselves. I don't know how we're supposed to stand out. I don't know how people are supposed to know that there's something different about us than the false teachers that were around during that time. And John writes this letter to them. But let me tell you something. He could have written this this morning. He could have written, this is, this is more fresh than your Twitter feed because it's exactly what God wants you to hear and to know about our society. Would you stand with me today as we honor God's word by reading it together? I'm gonna read along on the screen because it just makes it easier for folks online to follow and, and sometimes even in the room, we're looking at our phone. Um, all right, let's, let's just say this real quick. Can we all agree there are difficult people in this world? All right, if you agree with that, say amen. Okay, good part is you're one of them, all right? And so there are, there are difficult people like us in this world. The question isn't do we love people like us? The question is do we love people that are difficult and different? And John addresses it. Let's to what he says in verse 11. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should, what's that word? One another, period. We could stop right there. That could be the morning. You wanna know how to look different? You wanna know how to stand out? Love one another. Remember, Jesus is the one that looked at his disciples and said this, they will know that you are one of my disciples, not by what you know, not by all the tests you can pass. They will know that you're one of my disciples by how you love one another. Look at what he goes on to verse 12. Then he gives us an illustration. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother, and why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what what was righteous. So he goes all the way back to the Old Testament. The only Old Testament reference in all of 1 John is this reference. And he goes back to this early story of Cain and Abel. These boys, one was doing bad, one was doing good. The one who was doing bad hated the one who was doing good. So what do you do when you hate? Would you kill them? Verse 13. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. i want to pause there real quick. I think there's times we do good and we do right and we live good and we live right and, and even as a church, you do good and you do right and there's people that, that are critics and they come against you. Here's what, here's what John was saying. Don't, don't let it surprise you. There's been one perfect person who walked the face of this earth. Does anybody know his name? Jesus. And what they do to him? They killed him. So John's looking at this early church going, don't, listen, don't act shocked. Would people hate you? Because it's easier to hate what is different than understand what's different, right? It's easier when somebody's not like us, somebody doesn't follow like us, to hate them. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, here's what it does, it proves that we've passed from death to life. It proves it. So when we love like he loves, it is proof that we have experienced a transformation in our lives, because it is not natural. It is not easy. You have proved it. But a person who has no love, they're still dead. What it meaning? Their, their life has not been quickened by the Holy Spirit. So last Sunday we stood in this baptismal, baptismal waters, cellars, baptized a lot of our college students, and he said, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and in will be his commands, it is our honor not to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death, raised to walk in his life. See, baptism is just an outward sign of an inward commitment. October the 26th, 1991, Ann and I got married in Charleston, West Virginia. Next Monday, not this Monday, next Monday. I'm saying that not for you. It's for my benefit, so I don't forget. So next Monday, all right? Now, I remember standing at the altar that day. I'm nervous as a cat, standing at the altar. I'm in a state I'd never been in before, and I met at college, and we're standing there, and and her sister's name is Beth, and I remember being at the altar, and the pastor going, Mike, do you take Beth as your lawfully wedded wife? And I went, No, I do not. I would really like, and I didn't know if it was a West Virginia culture. I don't know what was going on, but I'm like, is that what I'm signing up for? I signed up to marry her. I wear a wedding band as an outward sign of an inward commitment. Look Look at what John tells the church. Go back to that verse. Look at what John tells the church. When you love other brothers and sisters who are believers, people that may believe like you, but they're different than you, you prove that you've passed from death to life. All right, verse 15 anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart he goes to the extreme like cain and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them verse 16 we know what real love is because jesus gave up his life for us it's interesting first john 3:16 jesus gave up his life john 3:16 for god to so love the world that he gave his one and only son So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus died for the ones that hated him. Isn't that amazing? He died for the ones that hated him. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how in the world can God be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth. What you show has more power than what you say. What you do has more power than what you think. Final verse. Our actions will show we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. You may be seated. You know, I love this because there isn't a lot of gray in this. This isn't something you read, you're like, I wonder what John's really talking about. I wonder where John's going. No, We know where John's going with this. John's looking at this early church going, our culture's wanting to bleed the lines of what all this looks like. And I'm telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I was with him, I saw it, I lived it, I watched it. Here's what it's gonna look like. And here's what you and I need to know, ready? First little thing, it's right there in your outline. Loving people different than you is not natural. Here's what's natural. Loving yourself is natural. It takes no work for Mike to take care of Mike. I don't have to lay awake at night going, what do I need to make me happy? I, don't, I can tell you right now. Loving people different than me isn't natural. But we live in a world that says if somebody's different than you, they're wrong, and you are called to not love them. I'm telling you, that's not what scripture teaches. Loving people different than you is not natural. He, he says it in verse 12. We must not be like Cain. Don't be like the brother whose deeds were evil and he hated his brother who was righteous, right? Loving people is not natural. You know the hardest part of a couple when they get together is understanding it's not about getting your rights met. It's about bending in to meet each other. That's what makes a great marriage. Loving people isn't natural. Second, loving people different than me isn't popular. Loving people different than me isn't popular. We're in a highly polarizing era in our country where if somebody votes different than you, you can't, even have a, you can't even have a conversation, right? If you're a Dodger fan, I can't speak to you today. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, important things like that, right? Loving people different than us is, isn't popular. You know, you know how to, to know if you're supposed to love somebody? They're breathing. Now, does it mean you agree with everybody? Nope. Does it mean at the end of the day you're gonna conform your thoughts to their thoughts? Nope. But ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever wanted to stand out like a bright light in this world, if you love like Jesus loved, you will stand out. And I will tell you at times, you will not be popular. Because nobody loves like this anymore. Nobody does it. Look at at what John said. Don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If there's others that and listen, it may not. It may be another believer that goes, "I don't, I don't, I don't get that." Look at the last thing. Loving people different than me is outward proof of an inward change. It's show. It's a. Sh- it's it's showing what Jesus has done for you. All right, let's let's call time out. Let's let's even the play and field real quick. How many of you would say there's parts of you that, that nobody knows about and they aren't lovable parts of you? If that's true of you, would you just nod your head? I got them, right? They may be opinions, they may be biases, they may be thoughts I've had that weren't good thoughts. You know what Romans tells me? Jesus didn't die for the side of me that everybody loves. He died for the side of me nobody knows. Even while I was yet still a sinner, Christ loved me and he died for me. Not when, I, not when I turned my life around, not when my life was good, not when you caught me doing all the good things. Mike, you're such a great guy. No, you didn't see me on my bad day, Right? We were at a baseball game. Well, I was telling the story to a group of uh, baseball scouts and coaches last week in a Bible study. I remember we were at a baseball game and there was a call made at home plate. I was pitching coach at a high school. It was a call made at home plate. I disagreed with, so I hollered. I ain't nothing rude other than, that was brutal. That was a brutal call or something like that. And so that was a bad call. And so I'm carrying the balls out between innings to the, to the umpire and gonna just have a little conversation with him. And he said, Oh, by the way, I go to North Star. I'm like, Oh, dear Jesus. All right, do you? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I always say, That wasn't me that said that. That was the other guy that goes to North Star. So but there's parts of me that just aren't good. There's parts of you that aren't good. And yet he loves us, anyways. See, we live in a world, we think, when everybody lines everything up, I'll love them. No, 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 no. Jesus calls us to love them without everything lined up. That's who we are, that's the call of this church. So funny, I think back, I had to tell the story to somebody last week, they asked me a question about the beginning days of North Star, and I remember the people that disliked us the most were not people that didn't go to church, it was people from other churches. It was interesting. You know and I I went from being everybody's friend to like, oh, that's Mike, he went to North Star, what you know all that stuff. And it was a weird deal. Listen, it's what John's telling us, this guy that walked with Jesus, he's going, before you guys got, you guys get too far away from what we're about, this is what's happening in the church. It was being pulled away. Before you get too far away, let me remind you of what matters. So what are the signs that we're the real deal? What are the ways we can look at it and go, okay, so my mom was in banking for 36 years. Started as a teller and ended up doing investments and stuff. But you know how they learn counterfeit money? They don't learn counterfeit money by looking at counterfeit money. They learn what's counterfeit by looking at real money. And because you get so used to seeing the real authentic thing, you know when it's fake. That's basically what John's saying. Three things, ready? Principle number one my love will start to cost me something, period. <laughs> it will. You go throughout the gospel, so parable of the Good Samaritan. We know the guy lying on the side of the road. He's been beaten up, he's been bruised, he's been battered, beaten with an inch of his life. But good, good thing his help's coming, the priest and Levite, right? The guys that know the answers. Problem was they'd had a long day in Jerusalem and they're on the way home. They saw him, but they didn't stop. It was gonna cost too much. I don't know where they were headed. We're assuming home, but it was gonna cost too much. But we know the Samaritan, right? The half-breed, he stopped. He probably knew people that had been on that side of the road. Here's what we know about the story. He bent down. He bandaged up his wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He walks him into town, right? He walks him into town. He gets him a hotel room at the inn, and he leaves money and said, whatever Other fees are incurred if he orders the ESPN package, whatever else the guy does, I'll I'll take care of it when I get back. See, when you love, it always costs you something. You can't love and not think it's gonna take some time and some effort and some energy. Look at the way John said it. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us there's gonna be days you look in the mirror and you're gonna go, is there anybody out in the world that loves me? I want you to remember, you never have to question how God feels about you. If we had to stand up every week and speak about a God that had never put skin on, I don't know if I could speak the way that I speak. But this God loves us so much he puts skin on And he came to earth to be one of us, to prove how much he loved us. Then he died for us. And he rose again just for us. That's what separates Christianity. What did it cost him? His life. That's what it cost him. And he did nothing wrong. But that's how valuable you were. He wanted you. And he never wanted you to wonder, how does God feel about me? Well, he... Showed you, look at number two, ready? My love will be more than feeling sorry for others. I want you to write down two words there if you thumb it in your phone, pity, compassion. Would you write down the words pity and compassion? Pity and compassion. Pity says, man, I feel sorry for you, right? That's what pity says. Man, I hate it for you, brother. But I'm gonna move on with my life. I'm okay, you're not okay, but I ain't got time for you're not okay. Compassion says I've got to do something about it. That's what compassion says. Compassion means to be moved down to your core that I've got to do. There there was a verse in the New Testament where Jesus looked out on the crowd and he had compassion for them, meaning he was moved. He didn't have pity for them. Pity means, man, I just feel, feel bad for you, man. You know, the, the last crowd I said, I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I had people looking at me like, nah, I feel bad for you, all right? Because they're, they're having a tough time. That's pity. Compassion is you crawl in the weeds with somebody and you go, I'm gonna feel what you feel. And so John tells the story. He said, if somebody has enough money to live and sees a brother or sister need but shows no compassion, how in the world can God's love be in that person? So Sellers was up here earlier talking about Operation Christmas Child. Well, we're like one of, Thousands of churches that do Operation Christmas Child. Somewhere, I don't even know the story, somebody got a burden for kids who don't have Christmas. I don't know who they were, and they thought, I bet you if we box up supplies, we can get those out to kids all over the world, and they're gonna have Christmas, and we can do it through churches. Everybody feels bad there are kids who don't have Christmas, but somebody had compassion, and they said, I'm gonna do something about it, and now we all box up stuff in October, to send all over the world to kids we'll never meet. Why? Because somebody had compassion. Number three, ready? My love will not just be what I say, it will be what I do. There is feet to my love. We do something with our love. It's not just going, yeah, yeah, man, I love you. No, 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 there's feet to it. They show up. Rick Warren calls it the ministry of presence. The greatest gift you ever give somebody when they're going through grief is your presence. There's feet to it. Look at the way John said it. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other, let's show the truth by our actions. Because John knew this. Same thing Paul said in the book of Philippians you want to stand out with your faith? Live it. Because you will shine. As Paul said, you'll shine like stars in the universe. Can I I get an agreement we live in a dark world? Can we all agree on that? I mean, it's getting darker by the day. It's getting darker by the day. But the beauty of darkness is the brighter the light. When light shows up in darkness, when it's pitch black, that light looks bright. That's the beauty. So here's our takeaway today. If I'm not sure if I have an authentic faith, examine how I love others. I believe, and this is Mike. Now, this is not not the Bible. This is Mike's opinion, which ain't gonna get you very much, but here's my opinion. I believe the greatest test of spiritual maturity is not how many seminars you've been to and how many notebooks you filled up from small group. Those are all wonderful things. They're great. I think the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is how you love and serve other people. You can tell me what you know, but if you can't show it, man, I don't know. So in our generation, there's been a lot of great people. I'm 51 now. There's been a lot of great people come through my generation that I've watched that are the generation ahead of me. Billy Graham, I think, is one we all look to, and, and Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, this little diminutive nun tiny little pack of dynamite, who was very wealthy, came from a very wealthy family. Mother Teresa, though, got a burden for what was going on in the streets of Calcutta, India. And she moved, she left everything and moved there. Well, the word began to trickle out about her story and about her love for people and how she gave and how she loved and Charles Kuralt, who was the CBS reporter at the time, did all their big stories, was sent to Calcutta, India, to be with Mother Teresa to do a story about her. And so he said, I went down to the tent that she worked in in the streets. He said, I've read of homelessness and I knew of disease and despair and death, but I would never seen it. He said, I walked in that tent and I smelled death. And I smelled disease. And he said it was overwhelming and I had to walk out of the tent. He said, I had someone go get Mother Teresa for me and she stepped outside the tent. and He looked at her and this was his opening line to her. He said, I wouldn't do what you're doing for all the money in the world those little beady eyes looked back at him and said neither would I what was she doing she was living her faith authentic faith and she marked a generation not by what she said but by what she did would you pray with me Father, for some reason, the year 2020 and probably the most divided time that I can remember in my lifetime, you've called us to be your church. You've called us to be your people. You, Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples, not by what magnets on your car not by which party you vote for or don't vote for or which team you pull for or don't pull for or where you're at, where you're from. You said they will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. God, which causes us to examine our own lives. boy, right where you're at this morning, I'm gonna let you and the Holy Spirit talk a little bit. When you pull out that mirror of your life and look into your heart. As David said, to examine yourself. Throw that spotlight up into that inner part of you. What do you see? Would anybody know that you're his?
1: We just let the Lord talk to you. And I believe this is a timely word for times such as this, in this political and chaotic season that we are in, barring a pandemic that's currently happening, how can we love those, not who are just like us, but even those who are different than us? See, the point that I think really hit home with me the most today is this, that our love is an outward proof of an inward change. See, if we truly believe the gospel as Christians, we understand that our God has chased us and loved us in those moments where it's not glamorous, where it's not holy, where it's not perfect. So if we've been experienced that change on our own in our life through the gospel, how can we show others that change that God has given us that love? And I think that's the challenge for us today is how do we begin to make this take root in all of our lives through the way that we love others? One way that we want to do that is we want to help you to be able to apply this word, not just leave today and forget, but to be able to help it take root by continuing the conversation. So we have two questions I want you to consider, not just today, but throughout this entire week. And the first one is this why is it loving those who are difficult so challenging for us? Why is it hard to love those who are different than us? And I think that's the theoretical question. Like you gotta really take some time and sit and kind of write it out and think through how it's difficult for us. And then we have the practical question is this, is who is one person that you can show the love of God to this week? And again, probably somebody who is very different than you. I would challenge you to love your best friend and your spouse well, but that's easy. Not always, but a lot of the time, pretty easy. So who can you love that gets on your nerves? Maybe you sit beside them eight hours a day, five days a week. Maybe it's somebody who is cheering for the Dodgers today and we've just gotta love them even through what's gonna happen. How can we make this take root in our hearts? We have to consider this throughout the week. And my challenge to you is this, is not to wait till Saturday and be like, oh, dang. Like sellers told us last week, we need to love somebody. My challenge to you is when you walk out of this room or when you log off the computer today to pull out your phone and text somebody. Hey, I'm praying for you. How can I be praying for you today? Hey, I would love to serve you. Is there any way that I can help you out this week? Hey, I'm bringing you coffee tomorrow. I don't even know if you like coffee, but you better give me your order or you're just gonna have a a latte sitting on your desk with no flavor and you'll just have to figure it out. Who can you love this week that needs it the most? Man, I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Remember, if you're gonna be in the room next week, one o'clock, registration goes live, and we are excited to see you next week. You guys have a great week.